Hey guys, this is Connie Morgan with the Free Black Thought Podcast. Today's guest just might be my spirit animal. A black, liberty-minded woman fighting for your personal rights and freedoms? It doesn't get much better than that. Donnie Anthony, known as Donnie the Don on X, is a passionate activist for human rights who strongly advocates for individual liberties and enforcing our natural rights. She's committed to helping people targeted by the government through her activism in the liberty movement. Donnie founded Liberty or Else, a platform that aims to educate people about their rights and collaborates with other allies for freedom. In this episode, we focus on libertarian activism and the sneaky or not so sneaky ways your rights are constantly being infringed upon. This episode is such a good reminder that there is no such thing as a black perspective, just black people with perspectives. The number you have dialed. You're listening to the Free Black Thought Podcast. Donnie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Free Black Thought Podcast. Totally stoked and pumped to have a woman who's a black woman and a strong defender of liberty here on the podcast today. Um, but before we get into the nitty gritty of the libertarian issues and philosophy and where the libertarian movement is today in America. Let's just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself, your background. How were you raised? Where where did you grow up? And let's sort of walk this journey of how you landed to where you are today and where you are in this, in this fight for freedom. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm Donnie. I was actually born and raised in Indiana um, in the cornfields and the bean fields and I could smell a pig farm somewhere. (laughs) I ended up going to, I actually went to a predominantly white school, um, Delta High School. And the people there, they really liked me, I guess, because they put me on homecoming court and prom court two times. And so um, I actually don't know how that happened, honestly. I was, I thought it was a prank at first because I just, I do talk to everybody, but I'm actually kind of like, you know, shy. If you believe it or not, I'm kind of shy. Then I took my butt down to Texas and I went to Texas A&M. And that's where I really started, you know, being more open politically because I just kept seeing the problems. I, I'm kind of the I'm kind of a person where you see bullying and you just can't sit back and watch it. I'm just watching the government be a bully. And then I actually, before I got to my libertarianism, I w- I thought that Trump was the libertarianism movement. Like, okay, you're going to bring out the corruption. We're going to do all this and change everything. And then mm-hmm. I felt like we got nothing. And so, okay, then I actually did run for office. I did not win. But if you think about it, I only basically ran for two months. And so whenever someone's like, oh, you only had this many votes. Did you run as a libertarian or as a Republican or or an independent or? Since it's a non, it was a local race, so it was nonpartisan. So I didn't run as a party. But people pretty much realized they put me in more of a constitutionalist uh, point there because I wanted to. If you want to have better relationship with the police department, this is my thing because the whole BLM thing was going on. Have the cops just focus on crime. Stop, stop extorting people. Stop, you know, pulling people over for things that don't really matter. Stop taxing people like crazy. What can we do with our resources where we can actually help people opposed to, you know, just taking and taking and taking and then cops are waiting to take more of your money and the courts are waiting to take more of your money. So that's more of the kind of the platform I ran on when I ran for office Fast forward, I have been going and speaking in multiple states and capitals now um, to, you know, protect our rights from them. And, like, here's the crazy part when you go to the capitol. They don't care about if it's constitutional or not. They base off their morals and their values. What they want to do is what they're going to legislate. And they said, take it up with the court. Mm. 
some cases we've been able to convince people like you, sh- you shouldn't do this, but a lot of cases they don't care. They have lobbyists. They're giving the money and they're doing their bidding. And so it's still going on today. I've I've spoken at multiple events and and gone places, but I also like to use my platform as you see on Twitter to educate people on what their rights are because my thing is how can you fight for something if you don't know what you're fighting mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm at today. I'm trying to educate people, trying to take action and change. I actually started a project called Vices, Crimes in the Pursuit of Happiness. We can probably get into that later. Um, So we can start using it at the local level to wake up people. When they see something wrong happening, we don't just sit by and let it happen. We don't wait till it happens to us to care. Yeah. And so when you were, as you were growing up, when you you went to to college, you you went to Texas as were you kind of apolitical? You didn't really have a sort of political philosophy or did you, did you have a red pill moment or were you sort of, because you grew up in a rural area, were you already kind of friendly to libertarian ideas and individualism? Oh yeah, I was actually, here's what's funny. <laughs> I got my first paycheck at 16 years old. I knew they're going to take some of my money, but I didn't know they're going to take <laughs> that much of my money. So I was angry. I was like, mom and dad, what happened? Like, what is wrong with my check? And they go, what do you mean? I go, they took too much of my money. They go, that's just how it is. I go, well, what can I do about it? Because I don't think they should have took that much money. (laughs) So it really started there. And when I started watching presidential debates and stuff, I didn't like either the Democrat candidate or the Republican candidates. And I'm like, oh, they're talking about spending more money. So they can just keep taking more of my money. Yeah. So that's how how it started for me. Okay. And then you talked about cops taking money. Uh, being involved in that. Can you explain how the police end up taking people's money? Because if somebody doesn't really, isn't really paying attention, doesn't really know how things work, they might be like, wait a minute, like the cops, they, how do they take my money? Um, I mean, I personally know what you're getting at, but (laughs) other people might not who are listening. So can you explain that a little bit? So when you're pulled over for a taillight or five miles over the speed limit, you're given a ticket and you're going to court and there's an amount you're going to have to pay. You can fight it or most people just pay it. And then you have court fees. That's the way the city makes money for itself. So that is another way our government takes money from us besides just the taxes from your paychecks, from your property taxes. And I, like I said, I call that extortion. What, like what level should the police be at? I guess, how do you, if you're looking at the laws on the books and you're looking at the way a, a local um, police force enforces said laws, what's the balance? Or is it, you kind of know it when you see it, like if somebody's also working on police reform from a libertarian lens, what is too much? What In your ideal world, what role would the police have? They would just fight. Um, they would just go after those who actually have victims for their crimes. So if, if you have robbed someone, if you've killed someone, you've assaulted someone, those are actually crimes. If you're just going after someone for having a plant and they haven't harmed another human being, they haven't stolen from another human being, leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Because... There's a difference between an actual advice and a crime. Advice is when you um, harm yourself or your property, which should not be a crime. A crime is when you harm someone else or their property. And I'm going to include fraud in that because that's another big thing with libertarianism. That is a crime mm-hmm. that you fraud people. So the police, imagine if the police took their focus on finding out who the people who are kidnapping people, who are murdering people, and actually found them, we would have less crime going on. If they focus on a crime, like say, in Chicago, instead of pulling people over for other stuff, if you utilize your resources to take on actual evil and bad and get that off the streets, we can have better communities. 
and people would actually probably have a would like police better. They will see them more as a hero because if you see a fire truck, do you feel any kind of anxiety or anything like, oh, they're gonna pull me over and this might I might die or whatever? Yeah. No. When you see the police officer and they end up behind you, people start feeling anxiety, they start feeling nervous. It was not because you did something wrong, because you just know there is a possible um, violent threat there because they're behind you. And a lot of times they walk up to your car with their hand on their gun. Like, what's the point of that? Why are you doing that if you're just getting me for five miles over the speed limit? You're acting like I possibly done killed somebody. Yeah. And I heard actually recently a cop, somebody say that a cop had told them, and I know this is true, that basically if you want to pull someone over, all you have to do is follow them for three, five minutes and they will break some sort of law because there's so many, right? They'll, they'll get too close to the center line. You know, they're not wearing their seatbelt. They don't allow enough space between, you know, we're all constantly breaking these traffic laws. And so it's not, the police don't have to look hard to find a reason to pull you over if they want to pull you over. And that's intentional, you know, because honestly, most people are calm, peaceful people. We don't cause any problems. But the government needs to create criminals. So that's why there's so many laws in the book. That's why there's so many rules. So in order for them to say, hey, we need to exist still, we got to have we gotta have a whole supply of criminals still. And I'm just like, I've talked to some people like, oh, man, I, I don't think I should ever run for office, Donnie, because I have a background. I go, well, what's your background? Oh, I had marijuana. And I'm just like, okay. Or someone says, I, I, was, um, I got in a fight at a bar once and I was drunk. I'm like, Okay, I, I think you should still run for office. Everyone's not perfect. Here, here's the thing. Uh, people think that we have to be perfect, have these squeaky clean backgrounds, but just because these other these other people have dirty backgrounds, they're just better at hiding it. Yeah. We're all human beings. We make mistakes. And my thing is, like I said, I don't think uh, marijuana should be a crime. And if you beat up somebody, you did you did assault someone, and you, you paid your time, you, you paid your price for that, and you did whatever you needed to do to clear that up. But that shouldn't be a hindrance for you moving forward pursuing your happiness and, you know, being able to be a, a better person. Because if we keep on going off of the things we did in our past and not moving forward in our future, we, we can't have our past shackling us, if that makes sense. We, we can, if you love liberty and freedom, regardless of your background, unless you're a pedophile, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, go out there and fight the good fight. I mean, God, God has used people who weren't good people in the past to you know, move forward. So, like, why can't we as humans do good things and fight for what's ours, regardless of your background. Definitely. I mean, there's a scandal every month, right? With some politician, some powerful politician, yes. when we find the dirt out on them. So people definitely, especially if you're open and honest about what your background is, I think people, human beings are actually extremely forgiving. So, and actually Barack Obama was very smart about that, right? Like he said, he said out front, like I've done a little blow, you know, so no one could go and dig that up in his background and say, you did drugs. He was like, I'm honest with you, you know, in college I did this or I did that. I'm not saying he wasn't without scandal. Of course, that's a topic for another time. But as far as kind of those petty things or those things, stupid things that we do in our youth or whatever, being open and upfront about them, people are very much willing to, to, overlook that. But when it comes to sort of recruiting people for this liberty movement, uh, you know, I, when I was, I've been out of high school now for over 10 years, but when I was in high school and I was a kid that was, I've been, I I joke that I was like born a libertarian. So my political (laughs) opinions haven't changed a ton as I've grown up, but even as a kid, I used to say, because kind of, because people told me this, and this was just sort of 
I don't know, common knowledge, I guess, but I don't know if it's true. I want to ask you about this. I was told, and I would say most people are libertarian and they just don't know it. They don't realize they don't know what libertarianism is. They haven't really been exposed to libertarian candidates. You know, we just have Republican, Democrat, but then, you know, COVID happened (laughs) and lockdowns (laughs) happened amongst other things and mandates and all this. And some people stood up and said, no, Um, but a lot of, a lot of folks did not. And so that had me wondering, maybe people actually don't, aren't as libertarian as I thought. Maybe people don't love freedom as much as I thought. Are you, what's your opinion on that? Are you, do you have a lot of success kind of recruiting people and explaining your values and your philosophy or have you sort of had kind of the same hesitation that I've had or like where these major events have happened and I'm kind of wondering, maybe Americans aren't as freedom loving as I once thought. It's, it's really disappointing, though, isn't it, Connie, to think that all these people love freedom in America. We you know, celebrate Fourth of July and they don't know what they're actually celebrating. Yes, uh, that was disappointing with COVID, you know, with the people that still they just, you know, bent down to authority and did it as they were told and complied. And what's interesting is I actually, when I was still doing um, the, my conservative stuff, I actually had meetings and it's called the conservative SIP. And we still met during COVID and mm-hmm. those people were Republicans. So we, there's some people that, you know, don't necessarily um, follow the rules, but you know, we were on the news for that. No one knew that they didn't know that we were still meeting and it was like at least 30 people yeah. <laughs> at each meeting that we were having. And we had even had politicians who come and talk to us about their campaigns at uh, meetings. So I can't say that it's, you know, that everyone just complied. But there were also Democrats, too, who weren't, you know, necessarily complying. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not having that. I mean, come on, Nicki Minaj or some um, yeah, I'm not taking no shot. We don't, we don't know what's going on with that. And, you know, she's, like, been pro-Democrat right. basically ever since her career. So I'll say this. I do believe that there is a little libertarianism in each body, um, each person. They just have to want liberty and freedom first to be, to be able to find it. And I think that the people who don't vote, I think it was like 109 million people. I think they're the, I think they're probably the main libertarians out there because in the last election, like, I don't want to go and, and vote and tell people what to do or, or force my will on other people. That feels to me, honestly, like the most libertarianism or anarchist thing you can think of. Like, I'm just not going to go participate. But if you don't participate, you guys then you have dummies ruling your life for you because you have a system and it's there. And so we have to be participating in this, regardless if you want to or not, at least get the right people in. And at least, you know, if you are a good person, you get in. And I, I work with a lot of rural folks and um, farmers and such. And right now I've spoken at a lot of their events too this past year. I can't tell you how many States I've been through this year so far doing this, but most of them are Republican. And the Republican has ignored their rule base and they have ignored the small farmer. And they've been working on behalf of the AR groups, which are the animal rights activists, who do not want us eating meat and whatnot. And they don't want you having animals or pets or anything like that. And so the Republicans have ignored their base. And I can see in the future of them, the rural folks switching to libertarianism. Texas Libertarian Party has came to at least two events that we've had. And they've had a booth. And so my thing is you find the different groups, people who've been um, disenfranchised, they have basically been ignored by the party. They're politically homeless. They've been targeted by the government. 
And then we come together, kind of like a coalition, kind of like how Javier Milley is doing over in Argentina. So I got them all talking to each other, working together. And these people who've been lifelong Republicans are like, yeah, at the local level, which is more a successful idea to do, is vote libertarian. We've got a libertarian that's running for Supreme Court um, in Texas coming to the meeting at the Texas Gamefowl Breeders Association meeting. Um, Angela from the Libertarian Party, the chairwoman, she's going to be there and speaking. It's that's that's what we got to do. Libertarians have to go and talk to the people who have been disenfranchised by their party, who's been targeted by the government, and they want uh, something new, something different. And so we you know introducing it to. I mean, I can't. I'm not. I can't say how many like thousands of people this year. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people this year have been introduced to libertarianism. Never heard of it. And the other thing is activism. When you're helping people with their like. If they're being targeted by the state in Arkansas, I'm helping this man. The sheriff's department has targeted him. He's never even heard of libertarian, but now him and his wife will be libertarians. Yeah. Ford, helped by libertarians. You look at what Spike Cohan's doing. He's making pe- he's turning people into libertarians based off just helping people and his activism that he's doing. And that's a, and that's how we can start spreading the words. People got to see it. Here's the thing: libertarians can't just necessarily go up and say, "Hey, these two parties suck. You should vote for me." People just aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. So show them a reason why. Show them right now. Say, say you want to run for office, give it to you for years. Start already helping people in your community. So they're going to just ask you to run. They're going to want to vote for you. And how much money will you have to raise uh, for a campaign if your community already likes you? They already wants you to be in office. And then they'll go knock doors with you and for you. So you have to really like, pres- you have to, pre- I guess it's kind of like um, a free trial. Mm-hmm. Where you get to use a product first and then, you know, then go with it later. I think that's what we have to do with libertarianism to get that message out there and show them that we are actually here for you. We'll fight for you where these other two parties don't do that. And you've said a couple things, kind of dropped a couple hints about actually a little bit more details into your journey. Cause you said, you know, when you used to do your conservative stuff and you thought Trump was kind of going to be the start of this big libertarian movement, and then you were disappointed by what happened. So you were, were you like a card carrying member of the Republican party, just running in conservative circles. And then you said, no, now you're, now I'm fully libertarian. I reject the Republican party. Was that because of Trump? Where did that um, transition start to happen? It was quite a few things that happened. I'm just sitting there watching throughout the four years of Republicans just doing, just completely violating the constitution. And then Trump endorses them mm-hmm. <laughs> the next round. I'm like, I thought you were draining the swamp. Why are you endorsing Greg Abbott? Why are you endorsing these people who have been violating people's rights? I mean, and then he says, hate the gun first, due process later. It was, it's, a, it's a bunch of things. And when I also ran for office, the Republicans were helping a Democrat. You know, it, it's not, it's a nonpartisan race, but you know what people are. Yeah. It helped a Democrat get that seat. So I'm just like, y'all aren't serious about growing the party making a change and doing anything. This is about, um, this is just about uh, status quo mm-hmm. at this point. It, it, you guys are not serious about liberty and freedom. It's just keep the old money where the money is at. Keep the people that you know you can control in office. Once you can't control, you don't want them in there. That's what, that's how the establishment works. And so I just realized that, oh, I can't believe I was played. I was so disappointed. Like, it really hurt because it really stung me. And the fact, too, that Trump didn't fight that hard with the election ordeal. If you if he believes that the election was stolen from him, he talks a big fight all the time. Like, he's a fighter. He's a fighter. I did not see a fighter. Mm-hmm. And so I just, like, so like I got false advertisement. 
So at the end of the day, okay, after all that, I was like, maybe we can just, you know, take over the Republican Party. They ain't taking it. They, they don't want to be taken over. They've been around for how many years? And they ain't, they're not changing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just like, it's, it's done. It's like these parties, I don't really see much of a difference. Maybe the, the left seems more radical in one thing and then the right seems more radical in another thing. But at the end of the day, they don't care about nobody. When, when I'm trying to contact Congress and get in front of them and to fight different bills or try to put in the farm bill, and you can't get a, a phone call back and then someone lies to you and, and, and doesn't tell you that they're the actual scheduler, like, this is like a whole game. What, what happened to us being able to aggress, uh, um, express our grievances to our government? The First Amendment. So we have to go through these gatekeepers to go in order to talk to them. And if we go to D.C., you can't basically be armed if you go to D.C. So it's just like, what? It, I'm just like, wow. So Democrats, Republicans been around for all this time. They've had plenty of time to make changes, and they didn't. And so they're the enemies. They're, and I look at both of them as the authoritarianisms. Authoritarianisms have been tearing America apart. This country does not need any more authoritarianism. Um, we need some people to start wanting their liberty back, freedom. And I was just thinking on the way um, here. I'm actually at the library because I'm in the mountains. And then I was thinking about on the way here. I was like, well, why don't why don't people just start talking about this? How about give liberty a chance? You know, because we aren't giving liberty a chance. Because when people say, well, people are, people are choosing fear over liberty. I, they're not voting for someone necessarily because they support them. They're voting against somebody yes. instead of for someone. And it's like, how about y'all just give liberty a chance? Like, be brave. You have some courage and just think, okay, I'll just do something different this time. Let's, let's, just, let's just try something new this time. But they won't because they're so afraid because the propaganda and the government has, has done a great job at controlling people's minds and how they act. And people can say, well, I think for myself, or I don't watch the news. Well, who are, who are you talking about? Just Joe Biden and, and Trump and Ron DeSantis? Who's putting your faces every single day? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you out there looking for your hero? Or why aren't you out there to be your own hero? Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you don't think basically that we should try to elect libert- more libertarian Republicans, you know, like Rand Paul, Thomas Massey types. It just has to be pure libertarian party candidates. I I will say this. I don't even think Rand Paul is a libertarian anymore. His father is a libertarian. Based off some of the legislation I've seen him do, he's he's been endorsed by PETA, and so and he he's been doing uh, legislation in their behalf. That's not put in the forefront. That's not on the news. But I know about it because, like I said, I've been working with farmers and paying attention to those particular bills that are put out there. Thomas Massey. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely him. Um, he, he is someone I could definitely um, support. Honestly, I said he should take Mitch McConnell's spot in Kentucky, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But that's, that's going to be a while because the governor gets to pick who replaces that part. But honestly, I would say Thomas Massey, and I just was introduced to this other lady. He did a space on Twitter with a red-headed, red-headed libertarian recently, and I can't remember the Congress lady's name. I think it was Victoria. It was her first name, and I think her last name starts with an S. Those two, I think, are the um, libertarians in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot, just and two. Use, <laughs> right, it's not a lot, but that's why it's so important to pay attention to our local stuff. You know, our county, our city, our state legislators. At the end of the day, your state legislator, what they're doing is more important. What Congress is doing because they're the ones creating the laws in your state. They're the ones determining how much you know money or whatnot's going to happen. 
you want to get rid of your property taxes, you know, you need to go to your state legislators and they're going to say, hey, we're going to get rid of that. And then your lieutenant governor looks at it. Governor, the governor looks at it. Those state seats are probably easier to win and depending on what states you're in. Maybe Texas is a little harder because it's so huge. Mm-hmm. California is harder probably because it's huge. New York is harder, but like somewhere like Kentucky, when you have a seat for like, say, District 100, last Last um, election round, there was only 9,000 people that voted. You can buy 9,000 flyers. You can win. Yeah, I bet you those people aren't going and talking to those people like that because they're comfortable. They're incumbent. They think they can win. But if you start doing your thing now, you have a good chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people really need to make sure when it comes to those local elections. I live in Idaho, right? Deep red state. You'd think... <laughs> when you looked at the electorate, we're very conservative state. When I first moved here, I've only been here for about a year now. When I first moved here, there was an election. And I think it went like our county went something like 75% plus R Republican. I'd never seen that before in my life. I I grew up in Washington state. So the opposite, Mm -hmm. right? And I was like, I didn't know. I thought when you lived in a red area, it was like, 55%, 55%, maybe 60% red, not 70 plus, not 75. My mind was blown. However, Idaho, you didn't hear a lot about Idaho during the pandemic or anything like that because Idaho actually wasn't leading the way when it came to freedom and liberty. And what happens is because Idaho is such a red state, Democrats run as Republicans. So hmm. everybody runs as a Republican. So you, there, and there are like liber, liberty minded, um, Republicans that run, but like our, our governor right now is really one of those where it's like kind of a rhino, right? And those <laughs> folks have success in Idaho, I think because people don't do their research and they see R next to somebody's name. And I saw his face on a lot of billboards or whatever, and I don't have time to do a ton of research, but I know I vote for vote Republican and I know I like freedom and liberty and I associate the Republican party with that. However, there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing when you're in a state that's deep red and probably vice versa, right? Deep blue too. There's probably Republicans that run as Democrats in blue areas because they can't win otherwise. And that's, that's what happens here in my state quite a bit. So I just, I want to put out that note too. I don't, I don't know how much you see of that, but certainly that's a thing here in the state of Idaho. Yeah. You know, I was interested in Idaho because I was hearing like, Oh, it's one of the most free States. And I was looking it up and it's like, expensive. Never Mm -hmm. mind. (laughs) But in Kentucky, this is kind of funny. If you look at Kentucky, there's more registered Democrats than there's Republicans, but Republicans have most of the state legislator. Like, it's pretty much Mm. like 80-20. But I would think what's happening is I've talked to folks over here. They said um, they register as Democrats so they can elect a weak one during the primary, and then they have their Republican. But I think Kentucky is kind of unique. I feel like Kentucky could be a libertarian state. You think about it. You know they have a governor race right now with Andy Bashar. Bashar, if I say his name sure, right, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and there's a guy named Daniel Cameron running against him. Um, honestly, I think um, Andy's a better option than um, mm-hmm. Daniel is for the Liberty score and whatnot. Even though that Andy's a Democrat, now there's a, there are Liberty-minded Democrats too. I've met quite a few of them, and I've been been working with them um, on some things. But yeah, um, in the area that I'm at. Their family are Democrats that basically run this city, and there's a, a senator who's a, their mother. And this is a very, you know, hands-off, the government's not overbearing at all over here. Mm-hmm. And I know mm-hmm. there's different spots like that in America, 
But then, you know, then those people will say, hey, it's not that bad. It's because, yeah, because you're not living under tyranny like everyone else is in other spots. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's just like you got to keep in mind just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening over somewhere else. And it, it does need to be addressed because it will eventually make it to you. So, right. but yeah, that that is that's fascinating about Idaho. I didn't know that. And I actually am kind of embarrassed. I don't know who y'all senators are <laughs> in Idaho. Oh, well, you don't need to know. It's, they, that's what I'm saying. They're like nothings. They, they're not, even though this is like a free, one of the freest states or whatever, supposedly you don't hear our, our politicians are not celebrities. And there's a reason for that because they're not, they're not cutting edge, you know, that's when it comes scary. to freedom and liberty. And that's the scary part because they could, they're just basically being able to operate in the shadows, kind of like in Maryland, you know, Maryland is, is as bad or worse than New York and, California, but no one talks about Maryland like that. I didn't know that at all. No, I didn't. Oh yeah, that's actually where Pelosi's family and them came from. Really, a lot of people came from there. Yeah. Huh. That that's that's kind of fascinating. So she she grew up in Maryland and then she moved to California. I know her dad was a mayor or something in Maryland at one point, and her brother was in office at one point too. And I believe she did grow up there, but I don't know when she pivoted to California. Okay. Okay. It wasn't um, like a situation where like Hillary Clinton was a senator from New York, even though she had nothing to do with New York, really. I don't know. She got citizenship there for a little bit. I don't know how that worked, but I know she just wanted to be a representative from a powerful state, right? And so made her way up to New York and became a senator, even though that's not where she was from or grew up or anything like that. Now I'm wondering about nancy pelosi too in california i didn't i had no idea a lot of the laws that maryland does california mirrors it it's weird you gotta research uh, maryland it's got a lot of very rich powerful it's a lot of corruption there and that's the part of the beltway with dc you think about it <laughs> i guess you mentioned you know there are liberty liberty-minded democrats what is the divide in the libertarian party or the liberty movement where people can kind of identify or you know you write down their beliefs on a piece of paper and it's like you guys are actually pretty similar but this guy chooses to run as a democrat and this guy chooses to run as a republican where where are libertarians really not divided or really not united excuse me um i will say based off all these different organizations i've worked with most organizations are divided in general i think it's a who's in charge kind of issue with the division and how things are done and executed. But at the end of the day, the libertarians, they, they want to get libertarians in there. They're not necessarily wanting to get, oh, a Republican libertarian, or they want their own candidates in there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the big issue is we have to figure out what we want to focus on. Like I said, Javier Milley's doing in Argentina, they are specifically focused on the economy. Mm -hmm. That's what people care about. That's what libertarians, in my opinion, we should really be focusing on are things that people actually care about. And then the other things can come along the way once we start getting in there and start winning. But this, this, I, any group who really wants to make a difference, you got to, you have got to figure out what you want to focus on. I, I think individual liberty and freedom is a very easy one to, to start with. The economy, how would libertarianism look um, with their economy? versus what we have today. We've been told over and over again, we have capitalism when we don't have capitalism. We do not have a free market. When the government- corporatism. Can, yeah, if it, when the government can basically, it, if, 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 it, if it goes between Trump and Biden, 
and and they go, oh, this is my gas prices. You don't have a free market. It, doesn't, it shouldn't matter who's in office if you have a free market. So when it comes to libertarians, I feel like when they need to come and help someone, and not every time, for the most part, they can stop their bickering and come together and help fight for a cause. They did that in San Antonio, Texas, the Mises Caucus and the classical liberals and the Libertarian Party went down there and rallied for a man named Moses, for Moses Rose's bar. And they were consistently out there helping him and fighting with him so that, you know, that he doesn't just get his bar stolen and they give him trash money for stealing his, his, his um, business that he's been in his family for a long time. They were able to do that. I think if we start doing more fighting for other people, that we will keep coming together and keep coming together and keep coming together so that we don't have to have time to be fighting amongst ourselves because we're busy working and helping people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And truly becoming the people's party, right? You know, we yes. are on your side. Everybody claims that they're on the side of the people, but how many people actually back that up, put their money where their mouth is? And so I think that's a great idea for for libertarians to kind of focus on more of that community, community outreach, outreach and engagement by standing up for the little guy and taking the time to get to know the little guy and their problems and what they're dealing with. Uh, because both constituents on both sides say that they're being ignored. You know, the, the kind of middle-class working American on who tends to support Republicans or tends to support Democrats, both are saying that they don't, that they're not feeling serviced by by their party. So I think that's a huge opportunity. So speaking of kind of engagement, talk, let's talk about Liberty or else. Is that is that a brand? Is that a business? Is that a nonprofit? That is, you're, you're talking a lot about the work that you're doing and all the people that you've spoken to. So please talk about Liberty or else and explain um, what your mission is and if people can get involved or if they need help or how they can reach out to you, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, Liberty or Else is my brand. And at first I was like, what can be a modern day give me liberty or give me death? And I'm like, I I don't want the death part. No, uh-uh, no, you're not going to say, okay, you're either going to be a slave or die. I say, or else. And people are like, well, what's that mean? I'm like, why are you asking? Why are you trying to find out? <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's my brand. It's, it's my website, libertyelse.com. Like I said, it's an educational a platform as well. And if someone needs something, people reach out. Like right now, like it's like right now, myself personally, I have two different um, cases I'm helping people with. I'm not an attorney or anything like that, but what resources I can give them or helping them find an attorney or helping them find funding for an attorney, um, that's what I do. And like when I go to these different events and I speak to people, I've actually brought um, the guy from Arkansas. I actually talked to the Libertarian Party of Arkansas. He actually told his story there. And, you know, just seeing, like, if anyone knew anyone, how could the Libertarian Party of Arkansas help this guy? And, you know, they, they did refer an attorney. It didn't necessarily pan out. But and then it come to find out other people in the crowd had a similar story happen to them, too. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I can't believe this is happening. And it's and bringing awareness to what's going on because the, me- the media is not doing it. These big um, name public figures with millions of followers, they're not bringing this to people's attention and what's happening. I'm just going to use my platform that I have and I'm going to bring that, that to p- people's attention. The other thing about what I do with the Liberty or Else is I do a lot of research. 
I actually love it, and I like to read a lot. And I find things, and like I said, once I do that research, I can put pieces together, and I can put it out for the people to see it. Because, like I said, like I can't really get people to fight and stand up for something if they don't know what they're fighting for. Sometimes someone who's never had anything happen to them, they're the least likely to, to, to care enough to convert over. All these other people who being targeted, they're watching legislation. I mean, who's that's boring, guys. That part I don't <laughs> like. Reading legislation and trying to like, wait, what are they talking about? Okay, why are they wording like this? Why do they title it this, but it says this in the body of it? And I'm just like, this is what I, I do. I basically wake up and I go to sleep basically doing this all day long. And I don't hate it necessarily. And I do know I need to take a break and stuff, but like I'm basically on my own. So if you guys want to help in your states and your local areas, or if you have your own niche and you want to help get something exposed, reach out to me. And you guys know, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jeff Charles or not. He's a journalist and he's actually put it out there. If you guys are being targeted by the government, whatever, reach out to me and he'll talk to you and he can help you put your story out there. So that's just, it's a, it's a lot for a few people to do. I'm actually also um, a director for several um, rural animal and farmer organizations. I'm doing that too at the same time, which is separate from Liberty Rails, but it does, it does tie together. I mean, I can't really pick up too much more right now, like joining all more and more organizations, but like I need to, it'd be great if your audience could like say, hey, what can I do to help in my area? Or what should I be looking for? Or how what 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 do you look for when you're looking for legislation to pay attention with your 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 members of um your legislation is doing, or can you start going to your legislation and start paying attention to what they're doing because when we're not going up there and talking to them, no one's knowing what they're actually doing until you get a cop on you talking about yes against the law and you're like hey when was that against the law and then it passed through your state legislator and you didn't know it. Yeah, and there. There truly is so much power in people just showing up, people just writing a letter, people just making the phone call. Because like I said, I'm from Washington State, super blue. Some some It depends on how you measure the political affiliation of a state, but some ways you slice it, Washington and Hawaii are the bluest states in the union, depending on how you measure things. And so deep, deep, deep blue state. Homeschooling is actually somewhat free in Washington. It, Washington's not the worst state when it comes to homeschooling. And one of the kind of unexpected things about Washington state, for those who don't know, every state has a different law about when you need to start reporting your child is being homeschooled. So maybe it's five, maybe it's six. Bluer states tend to make that requirement at a younger age. We're more um, classically liberal, libertarian uh, states say, hey, you don't have to start reporting about your child's education till they're six. And actually in Idaho, you never have to, you don't have to go to your local uh, school district at all and, you know, sign in or register anything like that. Idaho is one of the, that's an area where Idaho truly is very free. They're one of the freest uh, states when it comes to homeschooling. Anyways, so in Washington, they were going to raise the age or, or lower the age, excuse me. So Washington was actually somewhat free on homeschooling in that you didn't have to start reporting your child's education and registering with your um, local school district until your child was six, maybe even seven. I, I don't recall, but six or seven. And they're going to lower it down to five, basically like kindergarten when kids start kindergarten in public schools. And the parents came out, people were making phone calls, people were showing up at the office um, of, of the representatives. And that legislation just sort of disappeared. 
there was never any like formal announcement or anything. It never even went to a vote. It just sort of magically disappeared. And this is in Washington, like I said, a blue state, but still has a strong homeschooling community. And folks, you know, made the call on Facebook and like call and people drafted letters already written. So you just had to copy paste, send to your representative. And I was really amazed by that. I was like, wow, people do have more power than we think. I don't know how many, how many moms and dads wrote in and what it actually took to push it over the edge. Um, But even in such a deep blue state, the line was held, at least on that liberty issue. And so people just, you have a lot more power than you think. Mm -hmm. And these people who we elect often are, are, are spineless fools. And that means when it comes to you as well, I, and it's not just with their own morals, right? It's not just not having a spine or the, or the courage to stand up for what they supposedly believe in. They're afraid of their constituents. They rely on you for votes. <laughs> you know, they're afraid of your viral, if your post on, on TikTok going viral, where you complain about them or you have an issue or whatever. So that's my little soapbox, just in a, in a real world example of when I was pleasantly surprised that the people came out and it worked, it worked well. And I don't think any kind of legislation trying to encroach on people's homeschooling freedoms in Washington state are going to come across the desk anytime soon, because like I said, people, people rallied for that. Yeah. And that, and that's important too. Yes, definitely. Numbers are really important going up there. And I mean, honestly, sometimes they'll just pass it anyways, but I don't think the homeschooling kingdom will do that. But other cases, depending on what it is, Sometimes they'll just just do whatever they want to anyways. I don't know what Idaho's state uh, state legislator looks like, their capital. But Texas, they have guards walking around with, with rifles across their chest. Like, it's, mm. they're heavily armed, and there's a lot of them. And then you have the Capitol Police there. You have your state, county. All of them folks are over there because Austin is the capital, you know. And then so there's a lot there. So these the people in Texas are we're more comfortable passing laws they're not supposed to because they, you know, well, we're safe. No one's going to do anything to us because we're guarded. We're protected. And, you know, we have you know regular folks, too. Here's another thing I want you all to think about. Why do we have to go through metal detectors? You know, you're not supposed to be putting bar- barriers in front of going to speaking to your legislators. They're protected by guns. How come you can't be protected? What if some lunatic comes in a capital and you can't protect yourself? You're supposed to mm-hmm. depend on the police to protect you. They're going to run off and protect the, the, the people in office, not you. <laughs> Yeah. So for me, I'm just like, oh, in the Kentucky state capitol, they actually ask you for your ID. You shouldn't be asking for an ID to go into the capitol. You should be able to just go and talk to your legislators. That's that's what the uh, First Amendment's for. But people don't realize that because, you know, I didn't used to go to capitals before. I've learned this going to state capitals. And it's like Kentucky's like you basically have to have a meeting, like a doctor's appointment to be like beeped in, come and speak to whoever you're having an appointment with. Where in, like, Texas, you can just walk around and go talk to them because, you know, they have their armed guards. They don't care about that. And then in uh, Oklahoma, yeah, it was Oklahoma's uh, capital was a little more easier and freer to just walk through. Yeah, they had the metal detectors, but there weren't armed guards everywhere like that. And um, you can just walk to the person's office. And most likely they might have been in there. The smaller states, I feel like it's easier to get um, in touch with your person that you're trying to talk to than in the bigger states. I haven't been to the Capitol in Idaho, but I do know a few years ago, this is actually an area where Idaho's killing it. They actually passed a new law where you can open carry at the Capitol in that's Idaho. That's what's up. Okay, yeah. so now, see, that's why, I mean, they kind of get some kudos for that, you know, mm-hmm. for being yeah. one of the states. 
you should totally go to your capital and take a picture and send it to me. Like, girl, I went. <laughs> yeah, I should. I need to. Yeah, just just strapped just for the picture. And yes. where Idaho gets into trouble is exactly like you you kind of touched on it. Expensive. It the taxes. The taxes are not are getting out of control in Idaho, and um, that's part of the reason why my family moved to Idaho was to escape Washington taxes, to was to escape the property taxes. Um, you know, paying rent to the government for, on property that you own for the rest of your life. And that stuff's creeping in in Idaho, too. So when it comes to a lot of the social issues, you know, gu- very gun freedom, gun freedom is huge in Idaho. Homeschooling, like I said, is huge in Idaho. Some of those things, they're really doing a great job. But the taxes are 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 an issue and property taxes. You know, us libertarians, we say taxation is theft, but property taxes are especially evil in my mind. Yes. <laughs> It's I getting out of control. I think send tax is evil. Like government, who told you you were God to tell me that I had to pay you for a quote unquote sin? Mm-hmm. So like the alcohol and the uh, smokes or they add all those little um, taxes to it. Also the sales tax, you're sitting there making money and a commission off someone else's business. What did you do for this business that they had to give you all these? Preach. And then you're already, the business is not only doing that sales tax thing, but people are having to pay for it. They're paying for fees. They're paying for taxes every year to be in the, where they're at. So it all, I'm at the point where all tax is evil. And you know, God did warn us about this. He said, if you, if you want a, a new ruler, then they're going to, they're going to charge you taxes. <laughs> you're going to take your, you're going to use your, your kids in war. And he's like, he told you he was right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at yep. where we're at now. Yeah. And people try to twist the, the the Bible and the words of Christ to say like, oh, he was for taxes. But I, I miss the verse where Jesus said, give your money to someone else and then, then let them give it to the poor and the needy. No, he said, you directly go help the poor. You directly mm-hmm. go help the widows. Don't give it to someone else and let them decide how the widows and the poor and the orphans are going to be helped. But anyways, that's, it seems like a simple issue and easy to debunk, but people still try to throw scripture in the faces of libertarians all the time and say, well, Jesus would have been a socialist. <laughs> Actually, he wouldn't if you think about it too, okay? I just brought this up yesterday on the show. You know how um, the lady had committed adultery and they were going to stone her to death? Mm-hmm. And then Jesus said, those mm-hmm. without sin, you can cast the first stone. And they didn't, they couldn't. And Jesus didn't go run to the government and say, hey, make it a law to make it illegal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like here, yes. you know, Jesus, he said, he said, he just said, go and don't sin anymore. So why is it these other people feel like they have to go to run to the government and push their will on people? Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, at some point, here's the thing. Adultery used to be actually illegal. And or, or even um, laying down with someone who's a different uh, race than you was mm-hmm. illegal. So mm-hmm. when people are like, well, something's illegal. Oh, well, is it bad laws aren't you're not supposed, not supposed to enforce bad laws. So when people say, oh, not all cops are bad. Well, I mean, if you're enforcing bad laws, you're a bad cop, in my opinion. I'm not saying you're a bad human being outside of the uniform. Well, you kind of are if you're doing that in the uniform. (laughs) But you may be nice and smiley and everything outside the uniform, but, like, you're doing things to people you shouldn't be doing. Like, Nazis were just doing their jobs, too, right? So, and they had to pay for it. Not the same necessarily thing going on here, but people can't just be like, oh, I'm I'm just doing my job. I'm just following orders. Like, are y'all just mindless puppets? Or are you human beings with minds? And yeah. you can critically think for yourself of what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. The funniest thing is when you see someone with a back the blue, you know, blue stripe flag sticker on their car, and then they also have, 
the picture of the AR and it says, come and take it. And it's like, well, who do you think is going to come and take it? Exactly. It's that blue. It's the blue you're back in. That's going to come and take it. Unless it's a good cop who says, I quit, you know, and how many, how many cops actually quit during COVID, right? Because they felt they were enforcing laws that were unconstitutional or more. There was a few, they didn't get as much attention as they probably should have. I know for a fact that there was, there were some cops I don't know if it was a hundreds or less than that across the country that did say, this is too much. I can't, I can't be a cop. I can't be, I can't wear the uniform, but a lot of them were forced to sort of, to sort of back away because they were forced to do things they didn't want to do, like get the vaccine. Right. So a lot of cops walked off the job because they didn't want to get the vaccine themselves personally. So it affected them personally, but if they had been charged with like enforcing a law that didn't affect them personally, would they have walked away? I don't know that we would have mm. seen that, right? When you talk about people having minds and just being able to think through things all the time, people on the right and left, clearly their belief system are at odds with each other. There's a conflict there and that back the blue, come and take it attitude is one of those examples that's prevalent on the right. Right. And it's interesting too, because, you know, They were screaming, just comply, just let a cop beat the crap out of you, you know, and, you know, get them handcuffed or let the cop kill you. Just comply so you can live. But then now they're putting stuff on their page talking about don't comply. Like, yeah, uh, you know, you can't pick and choose what you're complying with and not. Um, (laughs) Either you stand up for your rights or you don't. Which one is it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, so pivoting a little bit, do you do any kind of specific outreach to black Americans or do you make a um, do you make a case for libertarianism um, especially to a black audience do you believe it's more important or uh, makes more sense or is just kind of the logical outcome of our history for black people to be libertarians and then but when you go if you were to go to a libertarian I've been to libertarian rallies and stuff before mostly white people there you know not a lot of black folks there why is that? Does that need to change? Does a special pitch need to be made to black black Americans? So I, I do think that these, there needs to be a change there because I think honestly, when, when we're talking about um, people being you know, libertarians, not really knowing it yet, I really think that applies to the black community. And I have been working on trying to figure out how I can start getting in front of more of the our black community and talking with them. Right now, it's kind of this easier with the, the farmers and everything because it's been, like, brought to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So with my project, Vices, uh, Crimes, and the Pursuit of Happiness, I'm wanting to start going to different communities. I've been talking to people so, so I can go to their areas, like in Detroit, Michigan, and some other areas and start talking to them and start, you know, getting urban America on board with libertarianism because neither party cares about them. Republican Party doesn't want black people. They post... Um, black men bad porn all the time, acting like black people are just beating up white people all the time. And the left, um, you know, they like to call people boy. Um, you know, you know the the left's history when it comes to the mm-hmm. black community. Mm-hmm. And I've and on spaces and stuff. I have gone to predominantly black spaces like the FBAs and um, and talked to them and you know discussing libertarianism. A lot of them have come to my spaces to discuss things. I'm not really quite for sure if those folks are going to are necessarily sold yet because it seems like some of them still like socialist ideology. Hmm. But in, in real life, I in person, I really want to start reaching out and doing more. Right now, Maj Tori does a lot of work 
um, in urban America with Black Guns Matter. Um, and he's doing the training and things like that. Like that is amazing. I want to, he, that's his niche. That's not necessarily my niche, but, and I think he's very effective at what he's doing. I really would like to do more um, and start going to more of the black community. But when you, it's, it's a little harder sometimes when you live in the middle of nowhere yeah. and, uh, and you know, you have to really go and travel. Like I really want to go to Louisville and uh, Lexington here soon to promote the vices, uh, crimes, and pursuit of happiness. So basically, let me tell you what that is, actually. Yeah. I keep bringing it up and not telling you what it is. I have a 14-page pamphlet, and it discusses the difference between a vice and a crime. And it's heavily inspired by Lysander Spooner. You know who that is? Tell us. Oh, you've got to check him out. He is like, um, he didn't really label himself, but if you look at his work, he's like an anarchist libertarianism. He actually says the Constitution, I didn't sign anything. So I didn't sign no contract. So <laughs> how are you enforcing this on me? He actually was um, having ideas on how to abolish slavery without a war. He actually took on the United States government, Congress, so he can uh, compete against them with the Postal Service. Hmm. He has an amazing brain. So I'm his work called Vices Are Not Crimes is a big piece of what my discussion is pamphlet goes into. How I just discussed earlier how vices are things you do to yourself or your own property and crimes are what you do to other people and their property. That's how that is broken up and the government needs to distinguish between the two. And so you start using at the local level and saying, hey, council members, why are you guys having our cops enforce things that are not crimes? Why are you making criminals out of people that aren't criminals? And then I also discussed the Ninth Amendment. People always talk about the First and Second Amendment, even though they don't even comprehend what those are. Like there's there's like nine more, there's like nine, eight, eight or nine more, you guys, <laughs> of the Bill of Rights that no one ever talks about. And the Ninth Amendment, I would say, is the most important amendment on there that we don't talk about. It's basically the argument in this is that the Federalists didn't want the Bill of Rights. They said the federal government never had the authority to do anything to take those rights away in the first place, so there was no need to do it. And if you were to list these rights and you were to forget some of them, then the other rights that weren't listed could be trampled on. Mm -hmm. So the solution to that was the Ninth Amendment. Just because a right wasn't listed doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so courts, um, your executive branch, your... um, your court systems and your lawmakers, they all ignore the Ninth Amendment because when you really dig down to it, they don't have hardly any authority to create a law on you in the first place with that Ninth Amendment. So when they're saying, oh, you know, the Second Amendment, back then they had muskets. You're going to have muskets? Well, Ninth Amendment kind of lets you know, well, no, it's not just a musket. Let's not be silly. So it really gets, it digs into all that. And it's a, it's a, it's volume one out of three. So the first one is uh, vices, crimes, and producer happiness. The second one's going to be the war on drugs. And the third one's going to be about what the AR groups are doing, um, with pertaining to farmers. Animal rights is what you mean by AR, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Are you the one behind that Ninth Amendment Twitter page? Have you seen that? No. no you're not. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. I've, but I have considered like thinking about doing an, uh, a Ninth Amendment Center, like they have a Tenth Amendment Center. We need a Ninth Amendment Center. You guys understand how important that is. That is like, you know how you find that diamond in a rust? Mm-hmm. Like, that is the diamond, you guys. That's how your rights, like, the thing is, your rights don't come from a piece of paper. They come from your creator. But the, the thing is, you your rights are only as powerful as you are in enforcing them and defending them. If you're not defending them, you're not enforcing them, they're just going to do what they want to. How many times have y'all seen cops say, 
I, I don't really care that, oh, ho, 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 they think they have rights. How many yeah. times has the state mocked us about our rights? Because we don't take it serious. And a lot of people don't know their rights in the first place. You know, if you're a little bit conspiratorial like I am, and you look at how the public education system is completely failing the kids, kids don't know any, kids don't even know that we have a bill of rights, let alone name, name a couple, you know? <laughs> right. uh, that's an easy way to take control of people is to make sure they're not educated on, on their rights and their history and how their government is set up. You know, I had to memorize, I had to memorize the bill of rights when I was in high school and the Declaration of Independence, and I, and I don't remember it no more, but you had to memorize it. So like when you took a test, they were right part of the bill, the Declaration of Independence, and you had to fill in the words that were missing. Mm-hmm. That's how much my, I, I guess I had a good teacher when I was going to school, but they made me memorize that stuff. And then the Bill of Rights, you had to sit in front of the crowd, the, the, the people, and rehearse it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you fell. <laughs> We didn't even, we didn't do that when I was in, in school. I didn't have to memorize any of that. I got, I, I think I'm older than you. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And just saying like, and I, you know, we see uh, now there's a lot of attention. There's a big shining light on the failures of the public education system, but this has been going on for a long time. That's what I'm saying. Like I've been out, I'm 31 years old and I feel like I did not get a good education. A lot of the stuff that I know about the way our country works is self-taught and not doesn't come from the school system or comes from my parents and and that kind of thing so we're we're approaching an hour here so it's about time to wrap up but i wanted to ask you a little bit since we have since all political talk right now is about the presidential election that's coming up and it's looking like i mean nothing's guaranteed but it's looking like it's there's a great chance it's going to be trump v biden again what what is the most libertarian position or policy or something that you actually approve of that both of those um, presidents, former president, current president, Trump and Biden have done? And what do you think is the most egregious uh, assault on liberty position that both of those either, you know, Trump has and Biden has? I guess the closest thing for Trump would be that it doesn't seem like he wants to have a World War III. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the most libertarian thing I can probably say on him. He does get a lot of credit for say, oh, he didn't start any new wars, but he didn't really end any either. That's the most I can do for Trump. Um, Joe Biden. I know it's hard. How dare you ask, how dare you ask me this question? <laughs> um, let's see. What is the most libertarian thing? He eats ice cream. <laughs> Are libertarians known for liking ice cream? I mean, Ben and Jerry's, they're not very libertarian. <laughs> Well, well, I'll just say this. I don't think his ice cream is vegan, so. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Gotcha. (laughs) But I'm not saying libertarians aren't vegan. I'm just saying there's a movement um, to push that stuff. And Joe Biden's on camera eating ice cream. So maybe he doesn't 100%. Yeah. And then what's the the most, I mean, and there's a lot to choose from, I know, but what's kind of the most egregious thing, position or legislation passed under or whatever from each of those gentlemen? Um, I was listening to a rally that Trump had, and he said that he thinks that all drug dealers should get the death penalty. Mm. I was like, oh, my gosh. It may not be the most, but that's what stands out in my brain the most, because I haven't been really paying too close attention to those folks anymore since I've been so much focused on local. The worst thing I can say with Joe Biden, um, 
I don't like these missionaries of truth, all these little missionary things that he's starting because this that's in other countries. They do that in other countries. Oh, Why yeah, Why are yeah. we doing that over? And then this all this money they're sending to Ukraine and the like and sending them weapons and saying, Oh, the people are fighting for their freedom, but you're over here trying to take our guns away. Come on, our rights aren't absolute. Mm-hmm. You're you are you you I don't know what kind of drugs they're putting him on so he can be able to speak in front of people, <laughs> but and I try my best, like it's who's ever whoever his puppet masters are doing this, because there's no way this man can co do this on his own, right. like critically right now, no, no. how he is. And he can't even speak in front of him. No, no. And I think everybody left, right, and center knows he's not really the man in charge, which is unfortunate. And it's, it's actually, Scary. it's, and it's, and it's really sad to see. I mean, I despise Joe Biden, but even yes. he, he even is, you know, an image bearer of God. And so to see this guy like falling apart in front of our eyes while his family just goes along with it for power is very depressing to me. There's no way that I would want my, if he was my father or my grandpa, that I would want him put in these positions. Exactly. Is that, is this a humiliation ritual? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't don't know what that is. McConnell, Diane Feinstein, like my goodness. Yeah. It's not, it's not great. I don't, I don't love it at all. It really is gross and makes me feel icky, but okay. That's a good kind of, period on the conversation. Let's do our speed round of 10 questions. Um, no right or wrong answer. Just try to spit out your, your kind of your first thought when I ask you each of these. And then after that, we'll give you a, um, your last chance to kind of put your final thoughts out there, plug anything, and uh, we'll send you on your way. Are you ready for the speed round? Let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> Question one, should we tear down the statu- statues of slaveholders? No. Booker T or W.E.B. Du Bois? Booker. Do you think you could kill a person in self-defense? Yes. Do you think BET serves a worthwhile purpose? (laughs) You're twerking. (laughs) (laughs) Should the election day be made a national holiday? Eh, I don't know. What's the worst part of being black? (laughs) Nothing wrong with being black. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) everyone wants to compliment your hair (laughs) i mean that's true that's my number one thing i get complimented on yeah what's a what's a movie you like that got bad audience reviews so you liked it but everybody else seemed to hate it the batman movie that had arnold schwarzenegger in it oh yeah george Um, George clooney batman yes i thought that was amazing as a kid and everyone hated it (laughs) where is there systemic racism in america and a loss. <laughs> Are you afraid of ghosts? No. Is kneeling during the national anthem an appropriate form of protest? Yeah, it's your choice. There you go. That's the 10 questions for you. You got through them. Do you have any final thoughts, things you want to get off your chest before we sign off? My final thoughts would just be this, you guys. Um, your liberties are yours that no one should be negotiating your rights, your liberties. They should be up for sale. They're a gift. They're a blessing for you, for, to you. And until people really start to see that, they're not going to value it as much as they should. I really would like for you guys to really start thinking about what it would look like if you had more freedom. If the government, if you wanted to start a business, right? Look at what that would look like. Um, how happy would you be? What success do you think you'll get out of that? And 
start going that way. Look at the value of being free opposed to the authority telling you what you can and can't do, what you consume, what you can't consume, um, taking your money from you, um, making you pay taxes on your vehicle and property you already own. Just every, if you're just tired of being robbed all the time, look at, take a look at Liberty, give Liberty a chance. Uh, I guess it's a plug time too. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, mm-hmm. plug anything. Okay. And my main thing, I'm just going to ask you all to become a member, a free member on libertyorelse.com and then reach out. You know, if you want to do something in your state or your local level, you want some help, you want some material to start teaching people, or if you want me to come out there, reach out. Um, libertyorelse.com. Yep. Easy to remember. And it's a pretty clean, very easy to understand website. So if people want to sign up, it'll go to the website. It'll be very obvious how to do so. Donnie, thank you so much for joining me. Love what you do. Love your, your Twitter page is one of my favorites. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Keep uh, fighting that fight. And I hope that um, in the future, we can have you on the podcast again and be discussing all of your, the great successes that you've had in the meantime. Oh, great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. You're listening to the Free Black Thought Podcast.